anything really worth dying for? That's a pretty powerful question from a movie. I think one of the things over this season that we've just had or we're still in or we're coming out of, whatever it is, is um, we've had time to push pause on life in some ways. And I think that's one of the struggles that we've had is that in those moments of our pausing is we've had to deal with the question of what on earth am I here for? And so we've struggled with our physical health. We've struggled with our financial health. We've struggled with our mental health. We've struggled with our spiritual health and all of these different things. And I think this question that they ask in that movie is, what on, why am I living? Is it worth dying for? Is a great question for us to deal with and to ask. And people ask it all the time. They're asking, what on earth am I here for? Does my life have purpose? Does my, worth have, does my life have value? Why am I here and what am I supposed to be doing while I am here? Well, this morning, what I want us to do is we're going to be digging into Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and following and dealing with that question. Here, Paul, in the beginning of his discussion here in Ephesians chapter 5, just prior to that, the thing that he assumes is, and it's his discussion in Ephesians chapter 5, is that you have made the most important decision you could possibly make and the wisest decision that you can possibly make, and that is to say yes to Jesus. And then based upon that assumption that you've said yes to Jesus, that from there then you will be pursuit of truth and the one who is truth and continue to make and desire to make wise decisions. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Ephesians chapter 5, chapter 5, verses 15 and following, with this idea. Here Paul assumes you've made the wise decision to say yes to Jesus and that you desire to continue to do that. And so here, before we get into all that, I want to remind you a little bit of the story, okay? Some of you have watched it, some of you haven't. And the story is this. Joe is a jazz teacher, or he's a guy who wants to be a jazz musician. It hasn't come, um, come for him yet. He's still working it. But in the meantime, he gets the wonderful job of being a middle school band teacher, which is always exciting. You can imagine what that's like. And so eventually he gets the gig. Actually, one of his former students calls him in, and he gets the gig with them. And so, as you saw, he immediately after getting the gig, he goes to the next to the place beyond, and he meets number twenty-two, soul number twenty-two. Now, soul number twenty-two has had many opportunities to come to Earth, but has decided Earth is not a place worth living. Living is not worth dying for for soul twenty-two. As a matter of fact, in one part of the movie, she even looks at him and says to him, why would you want to go back to earth? I've seen your sad, pathetic life as a middle school teacher, and why would you want to go back to that? As we see a little bit through the movie, 22 is cantankerous. She's got all kinds of different stuff. But she, through the movie, sees that Joe desires to go back to his life. Even though she saw it as pathetic, he wants to go back because he had purpose and he had meaning. And he would ask the question, is all this living really worth dying for? So this morning, as we dig into that passage in Ephesians chapter 5, that's the background for us, is asking us the question, is living really worth dying for? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Now, this is the idea. Paul is, again, you've made the wisest decision. Now you're beginning to walk. And so that whenever you walk, that you're walking with careful intention. Have you ever been somewhere where, you're, um, where you know that, hey, there could be critters around? You're careful. If you've ever been hiking and you know that the rocks can be loose, 
you're a little bit more careful. And this is the, the illustration that Paul has for us, is that as we, as followers of Jesus, as we're walking, we should be careful, we should be intentional about where we are going. And so that every single step is an opportunity to trip, to fall, there's potential danger, and that we take one step at a time. So be careful how you walk, be careful why you walk, be careful when you walk, be careful where you walk. Here Paul is using that illustration for us of walking as a portion of our life. So be careful how you walk, be careful how you live. Don't live like the fools, but live like those who are wise. Now in the original language, he's kind of got to play on words there. The word fool literally is asoph, so A-S-O-P-H, and then the word wise is soph, or sophos, and so S-O. So fool is someone who is not wise or against wisdom. The wise person is someone who is against foolishness. And so Paul has this play on words for us, and he's saying, listen, as you walk, be as someone who is wise and chooses wisely, because there are opportunities in life, as we get older, we recognize this more and more, there are opportunities for us to quickly detour off, that we see something that's appealing to us, and we kind of go this direction, and before we know it, we're a long way off in the wrong direction. If you've ever uh, done some little compass work and you've been a compass and you kind of do some orientation and it's that kind of stuff, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, I don't know if Girl Scouts did that. I wasn't in Girl Scouts. All right. But in Boy Scouts, you did this little orientation thing. I was in a thing called RAs back in the day. And so we did this orientation thing and it was a camp out deal. And I won first place in orientation and I had no idea how to use the compass. And I was like a thousand yards away from the final final place. place. All right. All right. So that is, in a way, what Paul is saying to us is we have this compass that allows us to follow the direction that we need to be going, and it is easy, if we're not paying attention to the compass, if we're not following true north, to easily get off task and by one degree over a long period of time end up in the wrong place, and as a matter of fact, a long way from where you want to go. And Paul says that the first step of that is foolishness, that you make a foolish decision to kind of go this way, go that way, instead of following true north and following the compass. Someone that Paul would describe as foolish is someone that does not believe in God, does not know God, and does not obey God. And as we talked a little bit about last week, that this is a worldview. A foolish worldview is one that Paul would say does not know God, does not believe in God, and does not obey God. And so from that worldview, then your behaviors come about, then your beliefs come about, and we begin to see that. So someone who has rejected God in his ways and is unable and unwilling to know him and to obey him is someone that is foolish. Now, a wise person, a sophos, is someone that knows God, believes in God, and trusts him, and they believe that he is true north. So from that true north and from that pursuit of wisdom and knowledge comes knowledge, comes discernment, comes the understanding of the characteristics of who God is because you're spending time with your father, you're spending time with your daddy, you're spending time with him, and the more that you experience time with him, the more you begin to look and act and think like him. So the age-old question of who's your daddy, all right? You know who your daddy is because there's something about our DNA, there's something about our genetics. Your kids look like you because of your DNA. The more we spend time with our children, the things that we want to pass on to them that they will get, but then also some of the things we don't want to pass on to them they'll get. All right? And so this is also true with us and our time with God. The more time we spend with God the Father, the more we begin to look like him, 
think like him, act like him, and love like him. Now, we understand that there's nothing bad and unholy in God. And so all the things that we gain from him are making us look a little bit more like him, the opportunities that we have to spend with him. So then be careful how you live. May your compass be oriented to true north. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Well, what are the wise? What are the marks of wisdom? Paul then describes for us in the next few verses some of the characteristics of what it looks like to be someone who's living wise with God. One is that we make the most of our time. That is some of your old, older translations say, redeem the time. Okay? Then also he tells us that we will be someone who seeks and knows and does the will of God. He also tells us that we'll be someone who lives in and by the Holy Spirit. We're going to dig into this a little bit more. And then also that we will be people that pursue living in community with other wise people. That we want to be around other people who are in pursuit of our dad. That we're orienting together in true north. We're making our way together. So the first thing that I want you to get in verse 16 is that characteristics of wise living is that we should be people that make the most of our time. How many of you have ever binge-watched a show? Making the most of our time, right? Well, I mean, that's the deal. And so Paul here is, is having us think, like, we should be... Now, listen, I've been watched. I'm not <laughs> mocking you, okay? What I'm saying is I've been watched. But listen, we should be people that should be understanding of we have limited amount of time and that our purpose as followers of Jesus is the most important purpose and most important mission in the world. And so we should never be bored. Okay? So keep that in your mind. So here's what he tells us. Make the most, redeem, okay, buy back most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Redeem these days. What's the one resource that you have that you cannot get back? Time. You can lose money and make more. You can lose kids and you'll find them under the clothes somewhere at the Walmart or wherever they run away, right? I mean, we will lose things and gain them back, everything except time. Time is a non-recyclable resource that you have. And here Paul tells us that as followers of Jesus, we have the most important mission and vision and purpose in the world. Your life has purpose because of Jesus, purpose that's beyond you, a legacy that's beyond you. And so therefore, in those moments when we think, hey, I am bored... I have nothing to do. I've heard this at my house a lot, okay? And I'm like, there's a yard to be mowed, there's trash to be taken out, there's a house to be painted, there's, I mean, there's things to do, right? But somewhere along the way, we convince ourselves that we're bored or whatever, and here Jesus is telling us through Paul, make the most of all these opportunities in these evil days. You have an opportunity to love and to reach out to your neighbor and to care for them. The days are evil. And so if you've said yes to Jesus, you have the opportunity to live for a long time, for eternity. Our neighbors are in the midst of evil and will forever live in evil if they do not receive an invitation to Jesus. And that some of our neighbors, the only invitation that Jesus they're ever going to hear or ever going to get is from us. And so Paul tells us wise people make decisions to redeem the time. The second thing that Paul tells us about wise living is that we seek to know and do the will of God, that we're about wanting to know what is it that God wants for us and that we're seeking to do that. He tells us this, don't act thoughtlessly or mindlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. That word thoughtless or mindless is the word that we get our word diaphragm from. 
from that word is it determines in the old, in those days it determined the strength and the nature of the breath. So if you're a singer or a public speaker, one of the things they tell you is to learn how to work the diaphragm, that the strength of the diaphragm and how you use it is what projects. And so here Paul is telling, don't act thoughtlessly, don't act mindlessly. There's strength and character in here, and it also determines the human spirit and our emotions. So your gut, the butterflies, all that. Don't act mindlessly. In those days, it was the seat of intellectual and emotional activity. Any of y'all ever had butterflies before? Yeah, a couple of you, okay. Ever think like, man, I'm going to get sick? That's your body talking to you, and it's telling you to think. You're kind of thinking, and you're stopping, and you're pausing, and you're asking that question, is this really worth it? Is this something that I want to do? And you count the cost because you can feel it inside of you, that human instinct and the human emotions are kind of going there. So Paul tells us, don't act thoughtlessly or mindlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. It also carries this idea of even throwing away your salvation and losing the benefits of that salvation. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. This understanding is to to receive something, to accept it, to hear it, to listen about your house. But we're constantly saying, hey, did you hear what I said? Actually, it's what my wife says to me. Did you hear what I said? Do you understand what I want you to do? It's ability to hear something, but then also to discern it and to be motivated by it. Even we hear this in Romans chapter 12, verses 2. Verse 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and prove what the perfect and pleasing Lord's will is for you. So don't be conformed by the outside of the world. Think of Play-Doh and the toys, and they push it in, and they make something to the shape. So for us as followers of Jesus, we're walking carefully. We don't let the world conform us and shape us to what it wants, But we allow, through the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're transformed from the inside out. We're hanging out with Dad until the characteristics of Dad begin to come out of us. And then, because we're hanging out with Dad, because we're not allowing ourselves to be conformed to the world, we begin to understand what God's will for us is, and we can test it and approve that it's God's perfect and pleasing will for us. The conforming. Don't think mindlessly but allow yourselves to know and understand the will of God. And that comes from us hanging out with him. The next thing that I want you to get that's wise living is this, is that we are to be living by the Spirit. Now, Paul here kind of talks about two things, and these things have to do with control, okay? So I don't know about you, but I've seen people that are under the control of alcohol, all right? And so here's this is kind of Paul's using that description and what it means to be controlled by alcohol and to live differently, controlled by the Spirit of God, all right? So don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is, there's some, a lot of stuff going on in here, okay? So the first thing is this. When you're drunk, there's a tendency to lose control, okay? You're inebriated. You lose control, and what happens inside of here, your brain lets down the guard of things that you would normally say no to, you would have a happen to, happenstance to maybe say yes to more things because you have taken in alcohol and it depresses your mindset. So the part of your brain that would normally say no to some things, it's now depressed and it's under the influence. So you lose self-control. The part of the brain that would normally be working, you lose self-control, you lose understanding, you lose discernment, 
you lose discrimination, you lose some judgment, you even lose some balance. You've seen that. You lose the power to assess right and wrong. Now listen, other places Paul talks about alcohol in moderation, okay? So, but here Paul is saying there is a point where moderation becomes excessive. And when you become excessive in that, then it changes you. And it depresses the very things that allow you to make wise decisions. So for us as adults, there may be a moment where you're enjoying some red wine or you're enjoying some white wine with dinner, and that's great, whatever, you do that. But then there also becomes a point where like five bottles in, okay, some of your margaritas that you can swim in, okay, that you lose control. Because you've depressed that thing. And so here Paul is saying to us, we should find that line. Some, some it's no, never. For some it's a glass. Whatever it may be, you find that because in that it allows you to make wise decisions. One of the things I would tell teenagers all the time before they would begin dating or whatever, I would say, listen, you need to determine your boundaries before you go out. So if you haven't determined if holding hands is too far, if kissing is too far, whatever that is, that line is, if you haven't determined that, that line will be determined when the boundaries are down and Harry and Henrietta the hormone are working and they're determining the boundaries. So if you don't determine the boundaries now, then you're always going to be towing here. And so what Paul is telling us is the wise decision is to determine way beforehand for yourself what does it look like when we deal with alcohol, because it's a part of life. Let's be honest. Let's deal with it. We should not be drunk with it because it lowers our ability to make wise decisions. As a matter of fact, it makes us less human when we are drunk and we become more like an animal. Paul says, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Drunkenness, we've seen it in people that continually consume it. It ruins their life. It changes them. They're not the same person. We see people that are functional alcoholics or some that are whatever. One of the other things about this is that in the temple of Dionysus in Ephesians, in the capital of Ephesians, drunkenness was one of the things that they would do because it would inspire art. Have you ever heard that? Okay. Drunkenness or getting high inspires art. And so here Paul is is telling them, listen, we are to be distinctive people as followers of Jesus. And one of the things that is a part of worship at the temple of Dionysus is they will get drunk so that they can lose self-control so they can be inspired. And Paul says, we are to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the interesting thing about this idea of being filled is, again, it's at that moment when you say yes to Jesus. And when you say yes to Jesus, in that moment of filled, the mystery is, is the Holy Spirit enters you. You're melted down and brought up into a new substance, your new creation. And now there's something about you. Now you are a holy thing. And so the interesting word with this, this be filled, it's in present tense, okay? Present tense. So it's something that's continually action happening, but it's in a passive voice. So here's the interesting thing about this is important for you to understand is that in that when you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence with inside of you. And so now it's not your work, it's his work. So he's constantly desiring you are full. It's a matter of are you going to live out of that fullness? So this is where you have control. So the spirit of God has taken residence with inside of you. And it is, you are full of him. 
your control is, am I going to turn on the spigot just a little way, or am I going to open up the spigot the whole way and allow people to see that I'm under the control of the Holy Spirit and that he is working in me, and that is when we look and act and think more like God. So when you said yes to Jesus, Paul says you then submit to yourself and you are self-controlling. You are your most human in that moment when you're saying yes to God and the Spirit of God moves through you and you are allowed to do things and see things and be a part of things because you are obedient to the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be filled with, to continually be full, but to also be living out of the Holy Spirit, that you sense and you know what it means to be in control because of him and what he's doing in you. The filling is not done by you, but is done by God. And you are continually choosing whether to participate and to live out of that fullness or to not. The Holy Spirit, if we were to do uh, pharmacology stuff, so here drunk wine is a depressant. The Holy Spirit is a stimulant. The stimulates, he stimulates our heart, our soul, our mind, and our intellect, and our will. And what Paul is saying, wise people choose not to depress their stuff because we're in pursuit of true north, but we allow ourselves to be stimulated, our heart and our soul and our mind to be stimulated, and we turn on the spigot, and that, yes, people will look at you and say, you are a fool for what you're doing, but you're saying yes, and I'm turning turning it on, and I'm going full blast because my desire is to live in and by and through the power of the Holy Spirit and not my own. Paul says that's what wise living is, is that if you've said yes to Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit resides with inside of you. It's a matter of a daily, moment-by-moment choice of whether you're going to turn on the spigot and allow him to use you and to do the things that he wants to do in and through you. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a stimulant. He stimulates the heart and your soul and your mind to do the things and to be like your daddy. The final thing is this, is it causes us to live in community with other wise people. That when we gather together as a church, whether it's here, whether it's in a group, whatever we're doing, in those moments that we gather together, we're sharing stories, we're encouraging each other, there's fellowship, there's worship, there's all these different things. So he tells us, gather together and do what? Sing psalms? Sing hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. Get together and to do these things. And make music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are moments in our lives that we don't want to be giving thanks for. But when we come together, it allows us to do that. We begin to hear other people's stories and we begin to be challenged by their stories. There's something about the power of presence. There's something about the power of community. One of the things that I've heard over and over and over again as people have come back from this season and they're kind of getting in with people, they're like, man, there is a power of presence. There's a power in community. And we're not even back to whatever normal is going to be. We're not even back to to the old normal. We're not even back to all that. But there's a power of being with people and sharing stories and laughing and just kind of being there. And there's something about being in human community. And Paul tells us that when we as wise people that are pursuing Jesus, pursuing true north, we need each other because there's going to be those moments where we're distracted and we may get one or two degrees off and someone can say, whoa, 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 whoa. Come over here. You're off path. And together we'd be able to do that through encouragement, through singing, through worship, through our time of teaching together that we're challenged to continue to remember the fact of, listen, what are we under the influence of? 
Is the world, are we allowing the world to conform us, or are we allowing the Spirit of God to move us and to shape us and to pursue, allow us to pursue true north? Have you made the wisest decision, decision you could ever make in pursuing Jesus? If so, I'm so thankful that you've done it. If not, maybe today's the day to do that. Are you making wise decisions? I know that sometimes this thing about the Holy Spirit is kind of crazy. It's scary. It's this deal. I just ask you this week, just sit down in your time of worship, your own personal time of worship, and just say, God, I, 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 I don't understand immediate, all, all what it means, this, this Holy Spirit thing. I would love for you to just talk with me and to show me what it means to be filled with and to be moved by the Holy Spirit. There are some things about God that we don't fully comprehend, but that's what makes him God. And the last thing I want to ask you is, where in your life do you need to apply God's wisdom? Where are some parts where you're like, hey, I haven't applied his wisdom and I'm struggling, I'm suffering because I haven't done it? Just make the wise decision and get your life reoriented to true north and to make the wise decision and to get there. Whether it's relationships, finances, whatever it may be, pursue it and know it. He is for you, and one of the ways that he's for you is he helps you reorient your life to true north. Let's pray together. Father, life is worth living, even more so if, because of Jesus and what he's done for us and what we have in him. Father, I pray that each one of us in this room have made that wisest decision to say yes to Jesus and that we are seeking to know him and to do his will. Father, I pray for each one of us in this room that have said yes to Jesus and we're uh, kind of scared by or misunderstand what the Holy Spirit is, who the Holy Spirit is, that, Father, that we would just maybe begin today and this week just say, God, just show me. Show me where I can say yes to you and turn on the spigot of being obedient to your will and following and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in my own strength and my own wisdom, but in the strength and wisdom of you through the Holy Spirit. It's through your Son's name that we pray. Amen.